remain risen and receive this reading from the gospel according to Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She had great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thank you, thank you. Choir, impeccable as always, my friends. Whew. Well, once again, good morning. I am Pastor Jonathan, the Director of Discipleship here at Foundry. And if you are just joining us online, we are so glad you are with us this morning as we get ready to move into 2024. <sighs> All right, let's just do a quick check-in. How's everyone doing? Good? We get through the holidays? We survive Christmas? Lonnie, we get eight seconds? All right. 
everyone get their planning and their execution of said plans done? Did anyone have that relative who probably said something they shouldn't have and you had to deal with it in some fashion? Not asking how you did with, dealt with it, but oh, it, is, it is a time, good time, to be with the family in the house of the Lord. If y'all could do me a quick favor, I want you to look at your neighbors, you can pick left or right, and just say, you did great. All right, that took way longer in my notes. I like, I like the enthusiasm, guys. <laughs> Seriously, though, good job. The holidays are an amazing time, but they're also sometimes a time filled with stress and heartbreak, and it takes a lot of work to get through them. So I'm glad for all of us. And we are almost on the other side, because tonight we have our New Year's Eve celebrations, Tomorrow we celebrate the coming of 2024 and maybe, just maybe we'll get one day of rest but then we get back to the regular everyday grind, the normal time. Luckily, that is where our text finds us today. Jesus has been born. The nativity has happened. The shepherds have come and gone. Presumably, we are out of the manger. I hope a room eventually became available. And due to ceremonies outlined in the gospel, it, we think this is about 40 days after the birth of Christ. Mary and Joseph are developing their routines as new parents. And they're also doing what is required of them by their culture and religious standards. They are getting into the new everyday life for them. However, it is also clear that everyday life with Jesus will be anything but normal. In taking part of the necessities of living in their society, Mary and Joseph experience how different the world is going to be now that they are raising a messianic figure. They are taking part in something that at this point in time, countless other parents have done. And particularly mothers have all in their society gone through this, these rituals. They have taken their children to these places and done it because it is required, but it's a mundane thing. But today, Taking a child to the temple is world-changing and transformative because it's Jesus that is taken into that place. In this Advent season, I had the privilege of leading a class here at Foundry. And by the way, we have a lot of amazing classes coming up in 2024. Please check the discipleship section of your worship guide to be in, filled in with all those amazing opportunities provided by your director of discipleship, <laughs> who is amazing and stunningly dressed this morning. <laughs> but we had this class in Advent called Mary in the New Testament. 
And in it, we studied a book of the same name, and it was edited and written by a collection of Protestant and Catholic scholars, including one of my favorites, the father Raymond Brown, trying to examine what Mary's function and role is in the New Testament literature. Each week, we looked at a different work, including the Gospels, but also some of Paul's writings and even the book of Revelation. But it was the Gospel of Luke that really stuck out to me. And this is, the Gospel of Luke is really where Mary gets to shine. Joseph has his moments in Matthew, but Luke really puts an emphasis on Mary. And in the week we studied Mary's role in the Gospel, our class noted that Mary is the very first person to have her life be radically changed by Jesus. She is also the first person to receive a call to Christian ministry. And more importantly, as we read on, Mary is the first person to accept her call when she said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary will then go on to be the first person to craft a Christian hymn as she sings her praise, or at the very least, write a Christian song calling for the dismantling of an empire, which is pretty cool. But Mary recognizes that she is called to the monumental task of giving birth and raising God incarnate so that God might be revealed to the entire world and radically change existence radically change the lives of everyone living on this planet. 60 years or so later, Paul will sum up the importance of Mary's ministry by saying to the Galatians, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of the Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Because Mary accepted her call. And she lived out her ministry. Nearly 60 years later, these words would be said, which is probably most likely sometime after her own death. And 2,000 years later, we are still talking about it. Mary received her call to ministry and was faithful. Mary's role in ministry was a call to change the world. Now I need to make a very quick Protestant note here. I am in no shape or form deifying Mary. <laughs> Jesus, our God, is who we are here to worship. Jesus is the one in which transformed reality. However, that occurred because God became flesh 
and chose to take on the trappings of humanity, which meant being born as a person, having a mother. We have a God we can relate to because Mary was called by God. Mary might not only be the first pastor, but she might be the best pastor of all time, if I'm uh, inclined to say so. Mary joined with the grace offered to her and journeyed with Christ so that she and the world would be transformed. And that is huge. That is a big deal. That is why we gather on Christmas Eve and light candles and make big circumstances and we have a big, wonderful tree. But that time has now kind of come and passed. We're on the other side of Christmas. And looking at the text, it seems like Mary's main job is kind of wrapped up. If you read on in the text, she'll appear a couple of more times. She'll appear, depending on which gospel, two or three more times. Um, generally, it's to make, help Jesus make some statement on family or make him make some wine for some people, which is a very important task for the mother of Christ to do. Um, but the nativity... That's where we think of Mary. That's her superstar moment. That's when the spotlight is on her. That's when she is grabbing the most attention. However, even past the nativity and past Christmas, even when she is not the center of attention and just living out the everyday life, she still has a role to play like all of us. Even though the holidays are come and gone, the presents are unwrapped, or the Amazon, taking out the Amazon bag, we have work and things we will be getting back to. There'll be next week's worship guide to put together. There will be meetings to attend. There will be decorations to bring down, emails to return, and phone calls to catch up on. Life and time marches forward after Christmas. And that is exactly what Mary is doing in our text today. Mary and Joseph are just doing what is normal. They are taking part in rituals that everyone in their, in their community with children would have done. Our text seems to point out that these are two different rituals. Uh, there is the first, the redeeming or the buying back of the firstborn male. This was an act prescribed by the book of Numbers uh, to, as a remembrance of the Exodus. And then the second is a purification ritual for the mother after birth, which is deemed favorite by my buddy Michael Robbins' favorite book, Leviticus. And that is what the two turtle doves were needed to satisfy as a, sacrif as a sacrifice. Now, the author doesn't seem to give a lot of detail on these rituals, and we're not sure if the writer even understood the, these rituals, because there are many who believe that Luke was written from outside of the Jewish faith as a Gentile writer. But it is clear that the writer knew that this was the life that Jesus was being brought up into. He knew the community in which Jesus was being raised, and knew that these events 
may have been fairly ordinary and something that a lot of people did, still knew that they needed to be included. Now, Mary and Joseph went to the temple and they probably had smiles on their face. Um, They're bringing their children, their child to a tradition that they deeply take pride in. However, it is still just a normal day. They expect to go home and have lunch and dinner and do the chores. It was a normal day. This was not a day when there was walking on water. This was not a day when there was the healing of the sick. This was not a day when there was the turning water to wine. This was just a day to take Jesus through an everyday occurrence. But what Mary and Joseph did not know was that who would be present in their everyday moment? Who would be there to witness what, was going, what is happening? And it was those people that they didn't even know and had not yet met, had not yet met, that surrounded them, that made the time and the place special. Our story introduces us to the figures of Simeon and Anna. Simeon is described as a righteous and devout person looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. By the community standards, he seems like a pretty good dude. He also seemed to work in the temple as he had the rights and responsibilities to lead rituals. So he might be one of our first examples of church staff, so good for him. And remember, he was a good example. <laughs> he would have visited the temple regularly, and he was assured in the promise from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah. He would be lay eyes on the person that would come about and change the world. Also at the temple was Anna, a prophet, an elder, and a widow. She lived at the temple and spent every day worshiping in that place. That was her everyday life. And I'm sure for both of these figures that the day began just like any other. They did their morning routines. They might have eaten something. Anna might have been fasting. They were occupied with the normalcy of their day. Now, it does say that Simeon was compelled to go to the temple by the Holy Spirit. But given that he is a righteous and devout dude, I have a certainty that he feels fairly regularly compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple. Especially since he had work there. So I figured that the Spirit led him there quite often. This was a normal day. Kids were brought to the temple for these rituals all the time. There was nothing there that made this day any more remarkable. Yet when Mary and Joseph enter the temple with Jesus, 
everything became extraordinary. Simeon and Anna experienced a joy and awakening like nothing they had ever experienced. When Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to Simeon, his heart recognized who he was, who was before him, and Simeon began to praise God because he knew the promise God had made on his life was being fulfilled in that moment. When Anna saw Jesus, she couldn't help but prophesy and give praise. Simeon and Anna's day, their normal day, became extraordinary because Mary and Joseph carried Jesus with them into the everyday world. Now, I'm gonna do another quick check. How many ministers do we have in the sanctuary this morning? I'm gonna read from everyone's favorite book, the United Methodist Book of Discipline. The heart of Christian ministry. The heart of Christian ministry is Christ's ministry of outreaching love. Christian ministry is the expression of the mind and mission of Christ by a community of Christians that demonstrates a common life of gratitude and devotion, witness and service, celebration and discipleship. All Christians are called through their baptism to this ministry of servanthood in the world to the glory of God and for human fulfillment. The forms of this ministry are diverse in locale, in interest, and in denominational accent, yet always universal in spirit and outreach. Now, one more time. How many ministers do we have with us this morning? There we go. My siblings, we were given a radical gift at Christmas. Love unbounded. Love in the form to transform the world. A love that heals, a love that forgives, and a love that is beyond power and comprehension. Mary, shared that love in her ministry and carried that love. She carried Jesus through her, with her through her everyday life. That is our call. Each and every one of us, all the ministers present here, are called to share and bring Jesus into the everyday world. We are called to share that love for the people that we might not even know that are around that need to have their everyday transformed and made extraordinary. We are called to love boldly so that the hearts that are hurting can be healed. The presents have been opened and the decorations are about to come down. We are going to return to work and school, but we have been gifted the life-changing, world-altering 
love and grace of Jesus Christ. That has been gifted to us. That is ours. Remember, carry Jesus with you on your normal days because you don't know who you will meet and who needs to have, see that love and be transformed. Amen.